saying the word mother trucker. I love saying that word. And it's like probably not the best. But when I get aggressively like on fire, I say it all the time. Recording. This is a lot of information. I literally have five pages of notes, so I'm gonna try to like get this out at you. Um, and I kind of just went through and summarized each within each chapter, like the sub chunks, I guess. <laughs> That's kind of a weird way to phrase it. But so the first thing that Paul covers in chapter 13 is submission to governing, governing authorities. Um, before I talk about this, I want to establish our New Testament literature stuff that we did, which is who is Paul speaking to? Paul's speaking to the Christians living in Rome and they mostly met in home churches so they didn't have big churches they didn't have a lot of you know clergy and priests and whatever and he was speaking to the common lay people that were in this time so when he's talking about governing authorities as I was reading this a lot of thoughts were going through my mind but one of the arguments was like I was thinking of it applicable to church authorities but as they're meeting in home church that's not really exactly what they're talking about so he when he's talking about addressing authorities he's talking about the authorities in their workplace, the authorities in government, the secular authorities in their time. And we need to remember that because it really puts this in perspective. So basically the whole thing, summarization of it is you need to respect rulers and submit to them, obviously. The verses I want to pull out, um, verse three says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority and do what is right and you will be commanded? For one in authority is God's servant for your good. So I read this and I was like, yeah, like, you know, do good. But what about the authorities who are corrupt? And when I was thinking it in the context of church authorities, I was like, yeah, those people are doing God's work, God's service. But if he's directly addressing workplace authorities and he's directly addressing government authorities and he even references tax holders, tax, however you tax collectors oh well um and like people who were known at that time like tax collectors were hated because they were so corrupt like and they're living in rome like the city where the tax collectors are like collecting for like rome was a corrupt corrupt place and so he's still telling them i, I like i think of this these are the corrupt leaders i'm thinking of king herod wanted to kill baby jesus just on the fact of like he could possibly be a savior i want to kill him like, are we submitting to his authority? This is just like going through my head as I'm reading. Pharaoh, back in Egypt, slaughtered all, you know, baby boys under the age of two. Dr. Nassar, recently, in the last decade, I don't know exactly when I just read, I actually watched a Dr. Phil show on him. That's like my guilty pleasure. And then I researched everything. But he was a, like, doctor that was really respected. He worked at University of Michigan, maybe? I don't really know. I think it starts with an M and he sexually abused girls for like two decades and when he went to trial for it like 156 girls testified and gave their testimony and spoke out against him and that was just the ones that were willing to speak like his authority and i'm not saying paul's not saying like all people who are corrupt but he is talking about he says therefore it is necessary to submit to authorities not only because of possible punishment because he talks about how rulers don't bear swords for no reason but also as a matter of conscience God placed these people in authority so I'm reading this and I'm like low-key outraged because I'm like parents violate children's rights policemen are corrupt like we have this whole system and we're flawed humans like some humans go out with a malicious intent to be corrupt 
And so, and I'm not saying, again, Paul is not saying that you should obey corrupt people, but he's saying you need to respect the authorities that are in place. And so I kept reading. And as we get to the end, it says, um, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Then honor. I had to get go to this like place of viewpoint because obviously, you know, Paul was did not know the situation of the world in 2020 um, and what's going on. He did not know Dr. Nassar personally. You know, obviously, he wasn't writing about this specific man, but he is speaking about secular authorities and how he's going to submit to them. And thinking of that in the realm of the Church of Rome and how these were lay people, I just and then reading that last part, if respect and respect of honor than honor, Paul is addressing a heart issue here. Like many things, when the Bible covers something extensively, like the real motive is the, what's in the heart, the real thing that is the problem. And I think, really, I hope, I mean, this could be wrong. Let me know if you think I'm wrong. But I think he's coming from a point of pride. I think it'd be really easy to be like, well, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. Um, you don't really get to tell me what to do. You're corrupt. You're evil. You're the worst. And obviously, there's an abusive situation or something like that. Get out of there. Skedaddle. Get your butt out of there. But like people who, you know, tax collectors who are taking more than they can because they have the position of authority. Like God's way is the way of loving. And I wrote it down in my notes. So it, we just talked about it in chapter 12, overcoming evil with good, not taking revenge, but leaving them for God's wrath. Our role is to love people and respect the snot out of them and share Jesus' light that way, which is really hard. And so as I, that's kind of what I pulled through as I was reading that. I would go into that in more depth, but um, I don't have time. So next, this this next part, I realized it and I like talked myself through it the other night. And I literally, I think my brain exploded because I thought it was so cool. Um, so it says, love fulfills the law. Um, the first verse I want to pull is verse eight. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves, loves others has fulfilled the law. I love this because debt is usually such a negative word and he uses it as a like with a positive connotation like you have this thing that you owe but like our life is not our own we owe our whole life and so having that verbatim of like your debt is to god and your debt is to love others it just it made that so much more impactful that no i don't just need to love others because god tells me to obviously that's a good reason or because i want to or i want to seem really cool on the outside or i want to be a good friend no, you have a debt and it was paid by the cross and it's continuing, never ending that you need to put yourself aside and love others with everything you got. And I just thought that word, like the way he worded that, I was like, that's like a checkpoint, you know, like, am I, am I living my life as if I have this debt that I need to pay this back? Like every person I interact, I need to pay back this debt. My life is not my own. Jesus bought it with the cross. So I thought that was super cool how he worded it. Um, then it goes on to say... The commandments are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So all over scripture, we see Paul gets this, like, he has this incessant thing that he repeats over and over and over in all of his epistles is love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Just like love God, follow God. But what God's telling you to do is love your neighbor. And I think of that being like, God's plea as we're down here hurting ourselves or, well hurting ourselves but hurting others and 
you know, being in sin and error and, and you know, I just can't get it right and I'm working and I'm doing this and I'm doing it. And God's plea is like, just love your neighbors. Like Paul had it right, you know what I mean? And he goes on to explain that love does no harm. Like, I don't think any of us wakes up and is like, I'm going to be malicious and hurt someone and harm a human. But when we're pursuing after Christ, we have this desire to love people, right? Like we have this desire to fulfill the, fulfill the law, we have this desire to be good. And it really makes me like take a step back, take a breather when Paul is like, homie, chill out, like love others. That fulfills everything. You're not, well, no, there's no way. I almost like contradict myself, but you're not being an adulterer if you're loving others in the godly holy way <laughs> you are not murdering others if you are loving others like he goes through the list and it's like okay that makes sense this is where it gets cool guys so buckle in this is so stupid cool I'm like, oh. so i love like digging in deep like what the heck does that mean god like why what's your plan for this and so it says therefore love is the fulfillment of the law i put in my notes bear with me so i'm a very works oriented person like i'm very read your Bible, do this, do that, check, 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 which we, the entire stinging book of Romans is like faith, not works. That's the entire thing, but I'm still a very faith oriented person. So I said, okay, let's just say as a works oriented person, I was like salvation, Jesus, I'm gonna put you on a pause. I'm going to try to earn my way to salvation. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. Or maybe I was like, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm just going to go for it. Whatever. I'm just to that point where I want to, I want to complete the law check it off the list so I can be with God, so I can be, have faith. So let's say that was my goal. Well, Paul tells us that loving others fulfills the whole law. And I was like, great, that simplifies things. Okay, so I'm gonna go out and love as hard as I can. And I'm gonna love Emily as a friend, and I'm gonna love Jed as a friend, and I'm gonna do things rightly and this and that. But listen, Micah is crabby. Micah is tired like 99% of the time. Micah sometimes, just needs to go in a car and scream and or cry and maybe say a couple curse words because this kid just kicked me in the shin for no reason. Like Micah is deeply flawed and I cannot possibly like love people to like the way that fulfills the law. And I think about every time I hear the word love or every time the Bible says love, I think first John, it says God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Like, which is just like so simplified. God is love, which it makes sense. Like every type of, well, God is the source of love is what I'm trying to say. And so if I want to fulfill the law and be like, check, I did it. My love, and Jed, you were talking about this a couple of weeks ago about how, I think we were talking about in the context of like sexual love or something like that. I don't remember, but like my love will be warped if I don't have God. It will always be wrong. It will always be broken. It will always come to an end. It's never ending. I mean, it will end. Like I can't have the never ending love unless I get to God. And so I get to this point of frustration because I'm like, I want to fulfill the law. I want to love others. I want to love others, but I can't love others because it stops within me and I'm tired and I'm focused on myself and I can't love others. And so the only way I can get that love and fulfill the law is if I get to God. And so God, I think God saw this whole thing and his plea, like before, you know, Jesus swooped in, he was like, guys, just freaking love each other. Like that fulfills everything. Love each other. <laughs> like, please. And I think he realized this before I ever did. And he was like, you need another way because you can't do it. Like it, like I'm the source 
and you aren't coming to me. You're trying to do it yourself or you're not even trying at all. So then he was like, Jesus, you're up. Jesus, I love it when, I think Pastor Michael Todd always says this, Jesus jumped off the balcony of heaven and swooped down into He did this whole thing about like God, Holy Spirit, Jesus and their roles and whatever. So the only way that I can fulfill the law, if I'm not works oriented, I'm like, I want to fulfill the law, is if I go to God through Jesus. Like, it just comes full circle back around. It is the answer is always Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Wow. But so, anyways, I just thought that was cool. Maybe that was all over the place, but I just thought that was super cool. Thank you, Chad. <laughs> I thought that was super cool because I'm like, God thought about all this before I like. I don't know. You know when Jesus was like, you know, whoa. Remember that also, chess game? This is it. It's it. He knows everything. He's three steps ahead all the time. Dude is laughing upstairs. Yeah. I also feel like he's like, you got like this much more wisdom in you. And I'm like, um, and another thing I want to say here, um, Emily, you're probably going to have to warn me of my time. And I'm still not even close. I'm still in chapter 15. Um, I, I like to think of, I realized this year was then when I think of Jesus is the way because we need another way play on words I'm a big words lady we need and Jesus is the way I don't remember when this happened it was during quarantine I was sitting in my room reading my bible listening to Jesus music whatever and I was thinking about that, that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and I just kind of realized like Jesus which this is so simplistically stupid but like doing like stupid head jesus is the way to the father like yes okay micah you stupid head but i realized for so long in my life i would like do, 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 go into the world and like sin and selfishness and whatever and so i'd come back to the cross and i'd have these like bags and i like carry them to jesus and i like sometimes would sit there and cry and like explain all the contents and like Jesus, this is because of this, and this is because of this. And I just like weep and sorrow, which like Jesus just asked us to drop our bags. And I always thought Jesus asked us to drop our bags and go do better, like just drop them and go do better. And so I drop my bags and then run out into the world. And I'm like, I'm gonna do better. And I come back with even more baggage. And I'd be like, he's like, leave it and go. And so I like realized that I got into this cycle. That's a good song, Cycles. I'll send it to you. It's really good, it makes me cry. Jesus wants us to drop our bags, not to go do better. That's not it at all. Jesus wants us to drop our bags and sprint into the Father's arms and like have an intimate friendship and relationship with him, which is like, duh, stupid head. But I didn't realize that what I was doing for so long was, it was like, Jesus, make me clean so that I can go and do your will. But there was no relationship with God. I had a good relationship with Jesus, but not with God. And I was really scared of God, the Father, for so long. I had to realize some of my own issues with my own earthly father. And I had to realize, and I love my dad. He's like the best man. I sat here writing his Father's Day card, like literally crying while babysitting kids and trying not to cry. Like, I love my dad, but he's flawed. He's instilled things in me that are not healthy or holy. And so I had to get to a point where God was like peeling, and this was like earlier, yeah, peeling these things back and he was becoming like Abba Father. And that intimate love and like you are my daughter you're my baby girl and i was learning how to have relationship in jesus in the way of what he's there for which is salvation and cleanliness and he's my co-heir and my friend and my brother and my savior but then going past that what he's there for 
and having a relationship with the Father. And so Jesus is the way to that. It's so much more than just like, drop my bags, I'll do better. And if I live my whole life like that, I'd be screwed. I'd be so tired. Anyways, so I just thought that was cool too. And then the last little chunk in chapter 13 is talking about the day is near. And basically that's pretty self-explanatory. He, he has this ebb and flow in Romans about humility. Oh, sorry, Emily. I thought you were trying to like sign something to me. Yeah. You I think you would just. 10 minutes. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, humility. He says at one point, I'm going to go through this really fast. He says, uh, so let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And then he also says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I love both of these things. He's talking about the day is near, like you don't have much time. So like do better, but like live intently. And I love the way he words these things too, because he uses very verb heavy, heavy, <laughs> verb heavy phrases, put aside, put on, clothe yourself. Like we get to choose if we put, and me and Jed were talking about this last night, put that reality, put that truth on yourself. We get to partake or we get to not partake, we get to choose. Okay, so chapter 14, the weak and the strong. This is like the entire chapter. I'm gonna go through this quick. So he's mainly addressing in this chapter, if I can sum it up, he's addressing dissension within the church, within believers due to differences, due to different beliefs. He says at one point, I'm convinced through my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm persuaded, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. We decide it's unclean. And so he's, I, and he uses eat and drink a lot. I mean, I think of Peter in the vision of the animals coming down saying, you, like, go eat, you know, that they can go eat and eat and this and that, which is kind of ironic because I'm a vegetarian. But, so when I was reading this, I was like, oh, well. But <laughs> um, I think of that, like, I think of that in the controversial topics, you know, in our church and whatever drinking, saying curse words, you know, getting tattoos, you know, like whatever, the things that are controversial and they have reason to be, nothing is unclean in itself. It's, I think it's what we choose it to be and also where our hearts are. But he's saying, don't be a stumbling block for other believers. If you have a new believer, like I'm not gonna go, I, obviously I'm not even drinking age and I don't go drinking, but like, if I have like a 13 year old who just became a believer, I'm not gonna take her drinking and be like, you don't know anything. Like nothing is unclean in itself. You decide if it's not, like that girl's gonna be like, what? <laughs> like, like I would, you wouldn't do that. And that's what he's saying. And also he like concludes and hits you over the head like 18 times. Why would you do that anyways? Why are you judging another person? Because guess what? You're going to, every one of us will have given account of ourselves to God. That's what he said, which that will check you right there. Humility check. You're going to have to give an account of what you did today to God. Then, soon, whatever. That's hum he humbling? Humbling. And he hits you over the head with, why would you judge others because of the judgment that will come from God? But also, this is your brother and sister. Like, why would you want to cause divisions and dissensions? And so, like, for example, this is, this is how I view it. There are some topics I just, I'm not going to bring up around my grandma. Like, I love her. And she's from a different time, a different, you know, she lived in Raw, but she's from a different culture. But there's some topics that I'm not going to intentionally bring up to her that's going to make us argue and wrestle for why. You know what I mean? Like, even if I know, and that's what he talks about, 
you must fully believe it. Like if you don't believe it, you're you're screwing yourself over. Specifically, he says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So if I'm having doubts about it or if I'm like, I'm doing this for myself and you don't truly believe what your belief is, you're sinning. It's not coming from faith. But if I know like what I truly believe and how I really feel like the Lord is about a lot of things, which we can go into it later, I think a lot of the things that I'm like, ooh, should I do this, should I not? I don't think God cares that much. I mean, like, if I'm loving others and what I do, and it's a testament to him and it's from faith, I don't think he gives that much of a crap. And that just may be my dad speaking through me, because that's very John Wells. But I'm not going to go take my grandma to go get a tattoo with me. I'm not going to do it. My grandma would freak out. She might be along for the ride. Like, I'm not going to do it. There's some topics I won't talk about grandma with. I won't be like, hey, grandma, when I turn 21, I'm probably going to go drink a beer or something. Like, she'd be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Why would I do that? There's no reason it brings judgment and condemnation on myself for argument. And it's like, yeah, not every person's my grandma. And I love my grandma. And that's why I wouldn't do it. But I should view every person like my grandma in love. So that's why he's saying in chapter 14, if you'd like to know. So chapter 15, he talks about the strong bearing the failings of the weak, which is important because I think strong bearing weak are the failings. So if people, you know, if I'm taking this 13 year out for 13 year old out for a beer or whatever, like me bearing with her and not being a stumbling block and not being like, hey, like, you know, nothing's on or nothing's unclean unless you make it. Da, 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 da. And this is what I believe. And this is this is the truth. And this is what I believe. And da, 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 da. like, like, just deal with it. Like, it's not a big deal. Deal with it. But also the feelings of the literal sense of feelings. But that's it's coming. It's a direct flow of passage. Um, again, he just talks a lot about just don't be divisive and unity. At one point, he says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God our Father in Jesus Christ. One mind and one voice. Like, have the same, we want God to give us. We can't have, like, I can't manufacture the mindset of love and the mindset of viewing people in the love of, hey, you're my grandma and I love you. <laughs> I can't do that on my own. Like, God gives you that, which is like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And he speaks of one voice and one mind, the unity, which is very important, especially in these little home churches or any church or in any group of people. But, <laughs> and then he also says, accept one another than just Christ accept you in order that to bring praise to God. When we accept each other, we bring praise, a worshipful incense to God, which I think is cool. So he says in chapter 15, he says, he, he's talking about how he's preaching the Gentiles. And he says, I believe you're full of goodness, you're full of knowledge, and you're competent. I think it's so funny that you said you're competent enough to struggle with others. I'm like, some of y'all are incompetent. Like, you can't struggle with others. At the bare minimum, you are competent. <laughs> yeah. I just, that's my translation, but I just thought that was, like, really funny. Um, so, you know, you're smart enough. Like, yeah, but competence is different than smart. Yeah. Competence, like, no you're the IQ. bare minimum. <laughs> So you okay, have enough so IQ he, You do. I mean, you have more than enough, Jed. I wasn't speaking directly to you. Okay, so he said, yeah, I have written you quite boldly on some subjects to remind you of them again because of the grace of God. The, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. 
so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified and by the Holy Spirit. So, I read this whole thing, the entire book of Romans, and this whole thing has like an ebb and flow of building each, like building each other up and encouraging each other, but also like humble yourself, brother, because you're human and like humility has been a big theme in Romans, but also in my life, just in his conversation, in Paul's conversation and the way he writes it. Um, and I just love that he says that because he, he says, I've, I've written to you boldly. I've, I've talked to you bluntly about some things, whether they be sinful things or divisive things or things about your identity so that you might become an offering that's acceptable to God and sanctified 